Well, Father, we come before you in uh, different times and in a different way than maybe what we would prefer to do. But we thank you that as your people, we can gather together. And whether it's in the same building or across uh, the city, across the district, across even our world, Lord, knowing that there are people listening and watching from other places in the world who are connected to us in some way, we want to just come before you and bow today before you. And we know that in all things, including COVID-19 and the economy of Alberta in this season, Lord, despite how we feel, we know and can trust in the fact that you are sovereign. And I know that is, is hard for some to grasp and hard for some to, to, to sense. But in this season, we just want to know uh, that you are there and we want to celebrate the fact that you are there. So today, even as we celebrate what it means to be your church sent on mission by you, we would ask that you would uh, just enlighten our hearts, open our minds and our hearts to you today. And we pray that we would be able to uh, just be about the work that you've called us to do. And in this different time, Lord, it is different, but it doesn't mean the work of the church stops. Lord, it looks very different than what we're used to, but I thank you for the open doors that you are providing for people to care for others and to just reach out and, and to, to love their neighbors and to care for those in need. So, Father, today we give you this time and ask that you would just be honored and glorified in our time today. And we ask that in Christ's name. Amen. Well, folks, uh, as we come to God's word today, we are uh, kind of coming to a close of a little bit, uh, well, we're coming to a close in this season that we've been spending a year with Jesus. Uh, this idea of walking as Jesus walked, this uh, idea of just growing more intimately involved with who he is, something that we're about all the time, looking at Jesus post-resurrection. Uh, he came and he lived and then he died on that cross, went into that tomb and raised, was raised on the third day, conquering not only sin on our behalf, but also death. And then he spent... Uh, Approximately 40 days, we're told, on this earth, showing himself to his followers at different times and in different ways and just helping them to dispel the fear that they had and renewing in them the crew we've been walking through this 30 years of Jesus's life leading to the three and a half years of his ministry life. We talked you know, a lot about that first 18 months building kind of a base of his teaching and his following. And then at roughly that 18 month mark, Jesus chooses 12 as the apostles and he calls them out. Um, now he called out many before that, but we have in the scriptures and in the gospels, the stories of Jesus calling uh, many, but specifically the calling of the 12 who would later be appointed as apostles. And I just want to take you back to chapter five of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, this is early up on in the chat on, on, Facebook or on YouTube. I should put it on Facebook. I'm sorry. But we're going to be looking at chapter five of Luke and looking at the first 11 verses. And this is one of the early callings of Jesus, uh, of his early disciples, who would then later become those 12 set apart apostles. So chapter five of Luke, starting in verse one. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, 
the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partner in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John's, John, the son of Zebedee, uh, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore left everything and followed him. Now we've looked at these passages uh, through our time in this season, and we've looked at this idea that Jesus called these different people early on. They followed him faithfully. They gave up a lot. They gave up their, their livelihoods. They gave up their families. He not gave them up, but kind of left them and went and followed Jesus. And then at the 18 month mark, he is chosen to call 12 of these apostles which means to be set apart, but set apart to what? And I believe we can understand after looking at all the scriptures through the years that they were set apart to be sent. They were set apart to take the work of the gospel, the hope of Christ, that forgiveness of sins, that conquering of death, and take it to the world after his time here on earth. He is still king. He still sits on the throne. He still sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and yet his work here on earth incarnate in flesh ended after 33 and a half years. So quote, uh, not a quote, well, it's a quote from me. It's something I shared with you a few years ago when we were going through the, the sermon series on sent and being sent, being the church. I just want to read this to you again. It says, we often wrongfully assume that God's primary focus is in the church rather than recognizing that God's primary activity is in the world. And the church is God's instrument sent into the world to participate in his redemptive mission. It has been stated that the church does not have a mission, rather the mission of God has a church. We must understand that God the Father has sent Jesus the Son God the Father and Jesus the Son has sent the Holy Spirit. And God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit have sent the church. And I think in the days that we're living, it's so good to remind us of this. That while the church, the building, is a good place to come and to gather, the church is the people. And that is across our globe, in every nation, and in every place, and in every community, in some small way or big way. And we are called to remind ourselves that the church does not have a mission, but the mission of God, God on mission, God of mission, has a church of his own. 
to put into practice, to put into play, to bring about the redemptive work of God through Jesus Christ. And we, like the disciples, have been called, we have been prepared, and we've been apprenticed in the kingdom life of Jesus Christ, or at least that's the calling that he has put on our life. So it's important that we understand just as, as you know, Paul or Peter is in that boat and he's already done the fishing. He knows there's no fish, but Jesus says, go out. And he says, okay, master, you're the teacher. Let's do it. And he throws it out. And that moment when they pull in all that fish, Peter's response is go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Then later on in that passage, Jesus says very clearly, don't be afraid. Heard that a lot in the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus as he's walking through walls and coming into to rooms with locked doors. He says, don't be afraid. For now on, you will catch men. And this is the early call to follow him and, and to be about a work that's different than fishing, different than uh, even the religious leaders of the day had. It's a work about being about God's work and being the fishers of men. Now, this early passage of Luke, it can seem kind of task oriented, you know, okay, follow me, give up your fishing, give up, you know, your, your livelihood, follow me. And I'm going to make you be fishers of men. I'm going to put you to work fishing for men. And that reminded me as I prepared this week of my growing up years, this idea uh, when I was growing up that, you know, we were to be uh, giving witness and testimony to who Jesus was, but it was very task oriented. When I was growing up in the Southern Baptist churches of the South, we had an, I'm meant to grab one, but we had an offering envelope very similar to the ones we have here at church. But on that, I would take it to my Sunday school class, and every week I'd put 50 cents or a dollar in, depending on how much allowance I'd earned, and gave a portion back to the Lord. And I love that my parents taught me that from an early age. But on the envelope was, how much money are you giving? How many days this week did you read your Bible? How many days this week did you pray? And then there was a line at the bottom that bothered me every week. It was how many, and there was actually another one that said, did you read your lesson for the week? And then the last one said, how many people did you share Jesus with this week or something to that effect? And as a young child going to church each week, I put my money in and I always kind of cheat a little bit. I'd say, I read my Bible three days. I read it, prayed three days. I, I'd read a little bit of my lesson in the car so I could mark off that I read my lesson, even though I didn't really read it. And for years, I marked one under that last category of how many people did I share Jesus with? Because I felt like I was not doing my job because I was supposed to do it. So this task of bringing in people can become a very task-oriented thing for us. It can be very much about the idea of getting the work done and just checking the boxes and making sure that we did it. And we accuse uh, many uh, different groups that maybe we don't agree with of doing that. They don't really care about saving people. They just want to put a notch in their belt or a check in the box. And yet we can be very much like that as well. Well, now we have been through the rest of the gospels and we're now in this post-resurrection time. And these followers of Christ have had everything blow up on them. Everything that they had hoped for seemed to not be coming true, even though Jesus said, it's not going to be like you think. It's going to be different. Even though he prepared them, it blew up. And these followers are now lost. They're, they're hiding and they're, they're meeting. Uh, and Jesus is showing up and they're still not quite 
truly convinced of what's happening. He's still telling them, you know, you need to, to not be afraid and just trust me. There's something good happening. You're going to wait for the Holy Spirit. And these great things are happening. But in those post-resurrection occurrences of Christ's teaching, there's a time of renewal of the mission, that call on those followers. It's a time to renew what he's called them to do. But there's also a restoration and a releasing of the missionaries in a new way. And I think in this season for us of COVID-19 and just you know being separated from each other in the church, we need to be reminded of the fact that the mission is the same that we need to be restored as God's missionaries and be about the work of mission that he's called us to be about. John 20, 21, I believe Pastor Dustin shared from this last week. It said, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Remember, the Father sent the Son, the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit, and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit sends his church. But we want to go a little deeper. So if you still have your Bibles, Take them and open them up to John chapter 21. Pastor Dustin led us through some of John chapter 20 last week, but this week we're going to look at John chapter 21. And this is that that time of renewal and restoration and releasing of the followers of Christ to be about the mission and the work that he's called them to be about. So chapter 21 of John, starting in verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 19. It says, afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Different name, same place, Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. That in itself is a miracle because these people were from different very different aspects of life and in a culture of the culture of the first century uh, Palestine, these people did not naturally get along and there was huge separation, but they were together. Peter being the, the spokesperson said, I'm going out to fish. Simon and Peter told them and they said, well, go, we'll go with you. So they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And Peter heard him say this, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore. About a hundred yards when they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there. Uh, There was fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. I'm going to pause there for a moment. This is very similar to 
Luke chapter 5, very similar to that same process. Go out, cast your nets, even though you haven't caught anything, bring in a huge load of fish. So there's this like-mindedness of these two stories that Jesus is instructing them how to fish, even though they were fishermen. They were finding a huge, but you have to see the difference here. And in the first time where Peter says, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. This time, Peter doesn't say that. He ties his coat around him, his outer coat, which he had taken off because he was fishing. And he jumped in the water and he just started going for shore. He was just giving her freestyle as fast as he could to get to shore. He was a fisherman. I imagine he could probably swim pretty well. He wasn't afraid of the water. He didn't wait for the boat to get there, even though it was on its way. He jumped in and went to the shore. There's a desire to be with Jesus. There's a intimacy with him that's different than in that first passage in Luke chapter five. And as they get there, here Jesus is, he's making breakfast for them on the beach. Could you imagine having breakfast on the beach with Jesus after his resurrection? That he guides you into fishing and to bring in 153 huge fish. And then his followers realize who it is. And some swim to shore and some row to shore. But it says Peter brought that net in and even though it was huge, hugely packed with big fish, it didn't rip. He pulled it in. It's Kind of makes it sound like even though they couldn't pull it in by themselves or with everybody, he pulled it in by himself, having seen Jesus. And Jesus is cooking breakfast, asked them to bring some of their fish over. And he has bread and fish already cooking. And they dare not ask who he was because they knew who he was. He was the Lord. And we pick up the story. Verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you want the where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to Peter, indicating the kind of death to which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. That early passage of follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And in this moment of reinstating Peter, Jesus brings him back. He denied Christ three times. He allows him to be restored three times. But there's a difference in the tone here, I think. I I read into it at least. First, it's follow me, be at peace, don't worry, I'll make you fishers of men. Then after restoring Peter, after allowing him to express his love for Christ and to see Christ's love for him, he's told three times to feed my lambs, take care of my sheep and feed my lambs again. 
There's an intimacy, I believe, in the, the nature of the kingdom work of Christ that is not about just getting notches on belts or ticks and boxes. It's about truly caring for those who need a shepherd. And I believe that Peter and the other 10 who were left understood the difference. They had been recipients of the shepherding love of Jesus, and now they're being told to be restored to the mission, be about the work of the shepherd, and to follow him continuously and to do what he's called them to do. There's so much packed into this. There's so many ways we could take that passage just talking about the different kind of love because Jesus is saying, do you love me agape, which is the more intimate, the most, you know, do you love me intimately more than anything else? Do you love me so deeply? And Peter responds, I love you phileo, which means I love you like a brother. It's not quite the same thing. Jesus says agape twice. Peter says phileo twice. And then the third time Jesus says, do you phileo me? Do you love me like a brother? But through it all, he's taking this broken man. He's taking this man who had denied the very Lord that he loves so much. And he's restoring him into ministry. He's reminding him of the fact that he had denied him. He's reminding him that three times he denied him. He's reminding him that he doesn't get it like he's supposed to at this point. But he still uses him for the kingdom work of Jesus. Jesus still gives him that task to follow him and to be about the work of the apostle that sent one, that set apart one. And I think Jesus is telling us here in this passage, something that we all need to hear is that broken people make some of the best leaders. Broken people who've been restored, have been brought to hope in Christ, make the best people to share the gospel of Christ. There's nothing like hearing somebody's broken story, but then a story of redemption and the testimony of that to understand how important it is for us to come through our brokenness, to not be perfect, but to be in the process of being made like Christ, to care for and to reach out and to love others around us. I just want to read to you from two other passages of the post-resurrection occurrences of Christ. And the next one is in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. It's known as the Great Commission. Many times you may have heard this. You may have heard this at missionary gatherings and missions events. And this is not just for the missionary. Well, it is. It's for the everyday missionary, the missionary of every follower of Christ who's being called to be sent wherever God puts them, wherever God sets them uh, to live, to, to grow, to, to be about his work. So in verse 16 of chapter 28 of Matthew, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So as Jesus' 40 days are wrapping up, and we don't know exactly which day this is, but it's getting towards the end, he gives them once again the task 
and the sentness of their nature as followers of Christ to therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing people, getting them to, uh, to connect with Christ and his church through an understanding of his baptism or of his death, burial, and resurrection through baptism. And teaching them all these things in the name of the, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey all the teachings of Christ and everything that he had commanded them. And this is discipleship. This is what we call discipleship, going and making disciples. Sometimes we have to go across the world as missionaries. Sometimes we just have to go across the street or across the room to make uh, an opportunity to be the missionary that God has called us to be. And this act of discipleship I found in my life is one of the most intimate acts you can be a part of. Getting to know people and their hurts and their struggles and their pains and to help restore them through faith in Christ to receive his grace, to see them grow and to see them be challenged and to see them be sanctified into Christ likeness is something that if you haven't done it, you can't explain it other than it is a very intimate and deep connection. And Jesus said, I'm restoring you to feeding my lambs and taking care of my sheep. Just as I am the good shepherd here to care for those, I'm asking you to go and do the same thing. And then the last passage is just a page over from our last one, probably in your Bibles, from John chapter 21 to Acts chapter 1. First nine verses of Acts chapter 1. This is Luke writing. Again, this doesn't follow John. It's, it's, it's a follow-up to Luke's writing. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to those men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Talking about the Holy Spirit. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Still not quite getting it. Still thinking that he's here to to, to, to topple Rome and to bring Israel to the forefront again. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates. The father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So Jesus, again, is just preparing them for what's to come. And he says, you know, it's not for for you to know. And he even said at one point, it's not for me to know the father's timing and all this. I just do what the father sent me to do. But he says, time will Come when you will receive the power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, your town, Judea, your province, uh, Samaria, the the gathering regions around you, and to the ends of the earth. 
And he's calling them to be missionaries wherever God puts them and sends them. And for some of us, that's here in Leduc City. Some of us, it's the county. Some of us, it's Butasquin, uh, Kalmar, you name it, Edmonton. Uh, we got people every once in a while popping on from other places, Portland, Raleigh, Honolulu, um, just different places that people are watching. We have guys that are serving overseas uh, in work, but they're also there on mission for God. And I want to encourage us in this season to not forget that we have been chosen to be sent. That this is not about gathering in this place. As much as I wish you were all here with me, I long for the day we can be in this building together again. It's too quiet. I shouldn't be hearing the creaks and the moans from the wind today because there should be lots of chatter here as we support and encourage one another. But please understand that time will return and that will happen in the future. But it doesn't matter for now where God has planted you in your neighborhood or your workplace, whether it's by Zoom or actually being in a building with people, you have been called to be his disciples and to be his missionaries. And for us, this is a time of renewal of the mission, to be reminded of the fact that wherever God puts you, that's where you're supposed to be. This is a time of restoration. If we feel like we've been far from God, this is a time to reflect upon that and allow him to restore us to the relationship that we're supposed to have with him and the relationship that he gave his ultimate life for that we could have. And this is a time of him re-releasing his missionaries on mission. And I you know, want every one of us to just today take a look around, look at your neighbors. Even if you're on an acreage or a farm, look around. You know who your neighbors are a mile or two down the road. I want your eyes to be open for the opportunity just to share the hope that you have, to be ready in season and out of season. And maybe this is one of those out of season things that we just need to be ready for, to share the hope that you have and the reason for the faith that you have. So I want us to be renewed and I want us to be restored and I want us to be released because I believe that there's a huge amount of work that God desires to do in this time of hurt and fear and strain on so many people. We are called to be his hands and his feet. And sometimes that means that we serve with our hands and our feet, going and literally helping somebody do something before we ever have a chance to share the words about who Jesus is. But I believe that that quite often is the open door. Jesus often met the physical needs before he met the spiritual needs. So today in our closing, I just want to challenge you with these words. Do not be afraid. Peace be with you. As the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus is sending us. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you and we thank you for the amazing opportunity to gather in your name again. And Lord, we are those that you have called many of us you have spoken into our life and we've accepted the gift of your forgiveness and the gift of life that comes only through you we've been baptized to to connect ourselves with you and with your body and father we have been apprenticed and trained and prepared to go out and to teach to make disciples to baptize and father i would pray uh, that today even today we would have our eyes open to those around us, that we would have our eyes open to those that you are putting in the natural path of our life, even at a two meter distance, Lord. But allow us to bring hope and healing, allow us to bring um, joy, allow us to bring uh, an understanding of the gospel of Christ, even in the season that is hard for so many. So Lord, we choose to not be afraid 
We choose your peace. And we ask that as you were sent by the Father, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to work through us to be your sent people. We ask that in Christ's name. Amen.